0: Oh, good day wherever you're listening from, and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio, IAQ Radio for Friday, May 31st, 2013. This week is episode 286. Roxy V and I are coming to you from Studio D in Central City, Pennsylvania. My name is Radio Joe Hughes, and at the controls is Roxy V Val Bender.
1: Good afternoon, everyone.
0: And back in McKee's Rocks, we've got the Z-Man, Cliff Slotnick.
3: It's a great day. Beautiful hi day. Hi, Joe. Hi, Val. Hi, audience. It's good to be with you. It's
0: a gorgeous day yeah, in I the could. burg, huh? All right. Of course, uh, we'll be having our technical director, Dr. Dietrich Weil, join us a little bit later. Today's segments include the IAQ radio trivia question, And an interview with Bernard Bloom. Bernie Bloom is going to talk to us a little bit about spray foam applications. Interesting subject. Uh, Of course, we'll break for our halftime, and then we'll come back for the roundup. Before we get started, let's thank our marquee sponsors.
2: Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information are available at
0: ieconnections.com. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at www.johndon.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning
2: and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at clean, cleanfax.com and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products.
0: All right. Of course, you can stream past shows by going to our website from the home page. Just click on the show number, and the Go To Show button at the top will take you to the shoe website where you can either stream or stream or download past shows, and of course, they're available from iTunes. We also have renewal credits available for ABIH, IICRC, and ACAC. Email me at joe.hughes at iaqtraining.com. We'll get you out the quiz and get you set up for the renewal credit program. Last but not least, please visit the IAQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com. Let's turn it over to the Z-Man for today's IAQ Radio trivia question. Thanks, Joe. We
2: win a cool prize by out
3: fellow IAQ Radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the IQ radio trivia question each week. Submitting your answer is very easy. Either email it to cslotnick at cs.com, or if you're listening to the show live via your computer, you can text in your answer. Congratulations. To Steve Teams, Airways Environmental Services in Red Bank, New Jersey, for being the first to identify adsorption as the binding of molecules or particles to a surface. The IEQ Radio Trivia Question for Friday, May 31st, 2013, has been sponsored by Trisca, the Tri-State Restorers and Specialty Cleaners Association, who have been serving the needs of and advocating for their members for over thirty years. Remember, Triska is your link. To industry training certification standards and events check out their website www.trsca.org now for today's trivia question name the scientist widely considered the father of polyurethane chemistry back to you joe
0: okay thank you cliff bernard bloom is a uh, he's got four decades of environmental experience working with both government and private sector. He is the current president of BSEA, an indoor air quality consulting firm down in Silver Springs, Maryland. He's done numerous investigations into conventional and unusual indoor air quality problems. Bernie's got a long history in the indoor air quality and also the regulatory compliance field. He's done work at uh, public health departments in Pittsburgh and down in the D.C. area and he's also run his own company and worked for some major corporations uh, along the way as well. Interesting background. We look forward to talking to him. Bernie's a graduate from University of St. Louis and also Carnegie Mellon University. Also did some time with Dr. Wile at the uh, University of Pittsburgh's Graduate School of Public Health. Before we get started, I think we have some music for Bernie. Bom, 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 bom. FOMO foam. Hello, Bernie. Do we have you on the line? You do. Great. Thanks morning. for joining us. Uh, good morning to you and uh, welcome to IAQ Radio. I know we've talked about it before. We finally got you on. Looking forward to discussing spray polyurethane spray polyurethane foams today, Bernie. Um, what got you involved? I mean, you've got a long history. Let's go back over that a little bit. You've been in the public health area. You've worked with um, on your own as a consultant. I think with some other companies doing consulting and um i think you started out more in the outdoor air arena back in the days of um your time back in pittsburgh area what got you That's involved right. in more indoor air quality like issues
3: oh uh, let me answer that in a second uh so i went to washington university in st louis not the st louis university oh okay yeah well, what got me into uh, looking at spray phone problems is, uh, in my normal practice, homeowners were coming to me with uh, issues. Uh, the, the first one was a few years ago, when uh, maybe three or four years ago, uh, when a sprayer, an insulation contractor, uh, came to us and said, would you look at this house? They're complaining about odors we just sprayed there. But we think we did it right. Uh, please find out. And on that particular job, it turned out the odors were microbial. Uh, they had nothing to do with the stray phone. But since then, my phone's wrong. With uh, First in my area, and then uh, uh, I'm getting calls from outside.
0: Huh. So you're now...
3: It was, to meet it. it was to meet a need, to put it simply.
0: Okay. And, that's, and, and it, your background is, is pretty unique in that respect, I would think. You you know, you've got a materials science and engineering uh, degree and then uh, materials engineering, and I know you did some time with the um, Graduate School of Public Health, so you, you've done some industrial hygiene type stuff as well. What was your, when you went out to look at this first project, I'm just curious, um, did you know right away it wasn't a foam issue and that it was microbial or did you have to do some digging? digging, uh, it,
3: because this was not the classical uh, musty odor from uh, 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 growing mold, uh, and it wasn't obvious that anything was wet, and we finally traced it to uh, 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 a bacterial problem in an uh, in internal French train, but because this happened at the same time the home had been foamed, what had actually happened was uh, that normal points of air infiltration that were blocked by the new foam in the basement were finding other holes in the envelope to go through, and one of these envelopes happened
0: to go over this internal French train. That's very so. Interesting. I, that's really interesting to me because I, I think uh, it's important to point out that you know whenever you're dealing with indoor air quality issues, going in with one thing in mind is obviously a mistake, and, and you've you've proven that here. You know, just looking at the foam wasn't the issue, and in fact, the foam changed the dynamics in the home to the point where another another issue that probably existed all along was kind of presenting itself. Is that accurate to say?
3: That's very accurate. Uh, in short. When you touch a house, you change it. You got to be sure what you're doing.
0: Hmm. Now, are all of these? Well, Cliff, you want to go next?
3: Uh, I, I, thanks, Joe. Hey, Bernie, thanks for joining us. Um, I've well, I got a couple of questions. I guess the first one is: you know, many of us have gone into a Home Depot and we've seen uh, the insulation board uh, that that's sold there—the foam insulation board. It may be blue. It may be pink. Uh, Are those materials the same chemically as the insulation that is applied in situ? Uh, Similar, but the key difference is not so much the specific materials or input chemicals. It's that uh, foam boards, uh, uh, like uh, styrofoam boards, are manufactured in factories where there's strict quality control, whereas what we're doing here with residential spray foam is actually manufacturing the foam in the home, which is not under the quality control conditions of factories. Hmm.
0: And I hear a lot about open cell versus closed cell foam, Bernie. Can you just kind of give us a little quick primer on the different types of foam that are applied in homes nowadays? Sure.
3: Yeah, so you're right. There's open cell, which is typically four times less dense than the closed cell. Closed cell is uh, more moisture resistant. Uh, it's denser, it costs more, and it's got different blowing agents typically than for uh, open cell. By blowing agents, I mean those compounds which cause the chemicals to expand to become phony. And from the point of view of a user, depends what to use depends on what your specific purpose is, where the home is located, what your budget is, a lot of factors. Bernie, when, when an applicator uh, decides to go into this business and they buy a set of application equipment or a trailer or you know, the, uh-huh. the machinery, are they limited to just using one manufacturer's product, or can they, or can that system apply all the different types? Well, I can't say all different types, but no, usually they're not locked into one chemical company. And the chemical companies know that. Right? And the trainings, uh, they might be able to use their equipment with uh, different uh, firms' products, but the each specific product, let's say an open cell phone from company X has its own recipe, its own strict yeah the, the, the rules that you have to follow the application process then maybe for a different company, so same equipment but different procedures possibly, and therefore different trainings,
0: gotcha. Bernie, before we go, and Cliff, I'm sorry, did you have another one you wanted to follow up with?
3: Well, I, I kind of did. I was doing some research on his website and other websites, and, you know, I was very surprised that. You know, most of us—at least the three of us that are on the line—and certainly a lot of the people that are listening—and—and—and and, and including Dr. Weil—are going to be very familiar with you know, some of the problems that existed with the, uh, previously with urea uh, formaldehyde foam insulation. And, and I think, if, if I was—I think it was either on your site or a link from your site—I was very surprised to learn that the big box stores still specify. Uffi for use. Can can you comment on that? Well, to be really straight up clear, uh, I've been working on problems of polyurethane spray foams. Okay, not Uffi. Okay, Uh, and they have different applications. Uh, The the materials that I'm familiar with are. Typically, professionally applied, not-do-it-yourself, uh, polyurethane, uh, spray films. These are uh, involved processes that require a lot of training. Uh, I, I know that's sort of a major question. Well, no, no. I, I was just surprised that the these big box stores were using it, I think, to fill concrete block. And I guess they found yeah. it beneficial, and they, they weren't. Suffering, uh, it, it at least, it didn't seem to be suffering consequences because of it. So I was, yeah. I just, but you know, UFFI is not uh, used inside homes in the place where we now spray, uh, right. uh, the, the, the formaldehyde problems taught us not to do that.
0: Right. Okay. Well, let's let's move on to the application process, Bernie. Maybe you could just quickly describe the process. Is it the same for open-cell and closed-cell? Are we mixing two products together on-site and then applying them through some kind of spraying operation?
3: Yeah. Uh, From the homeowner's
0: perspective,
3: the contractor is going to have two hoses going to uh, uh, each to its separate tank, a a so-called side A and a side B tank. They contain uh, the chemicals that were mixed together under pressure, in uh, the spray gun uh, of the foam uh, uh, so the homeowner may not see all the different details but uh, the applicator is using two different products that has to be aware of what he's doing in great detail the homeowner though won't see the difference
0: okay in fact
3: if I might add the homeowner shouldn't even be there. Uh, homeowners should be told to not be in the house during the strike.
0: Bernie, what's the first indication that something's gone wrong during this process?
3: So, uh homeowner comes home, and uh, if there's a problem, it's probably going to first manifest as an odor. Uh, and uh, the odor might Described as a chemical odor or differently, a sort of like a charred odor, like there was some combustion going on. Or it might be a fishy odor. Uh, and that's what they'll first experience. Then, uh, uh, within a day or two, they may experience uh, other uh, health effects, uh, like uh, they may get headaches uh, or blurred vision or there's other health effects uh but odor is the first dominant thing that people smell
0: and how long after the fact should people be allowed back into these homes i I know the guys doing the spraying they have they're supposed to have i know dr wow has a story of a guy that did some spraying way back in the days that uh, had no personal protective equipment no engineering controls and, and he suffered from it in fact he repeated the mistake but anyway um what type of, you know, how long should it be before they're able to go back into their home, I guess?
3: Well, that is a very big question. It's still outstanding. Uh, uh, This is being looked into by the industry. Uh, uh, The the shortest stay-out time is typically 24 hours, but some people think up to three days. Uh, But really we should first say, why stay away? What's the purpose of staying away? Okay. The, the principal reason for staying away is the sprayer is wearing uh, protective equipment. So there'll be purified air and the proper, the proper respirator and so forth. The homeowner has none of that. And it's, Certainly, my experience is that when attics are being sprayed, the attic may first have been an open structure. Now, the whole point of the spray is to tighten up the attic so that you reduce uh, exfiltration. Uh, and so where do these gases go? And particles, I should say. from the? They don't all stick to the uh, uh, plywood, say, of the, uh, uh, the wood uh, roof deck. Yeah, right. So they they, I, they, they spread uh, throughout the house, and now the homeowner is breathing unprotected chemicals that shouldn't be there, and that could chemically sensitize the homeowner. And we'll talk more about that later, but that's the reason not to be there, so that doesn't happen.
0: Now, uh, go ahead, Bernie. Did, did you want to add something?
3: me no.
0: okay i've got a text question here from a listener it goes back to our last question i think it's a good one who in the industry or who in government i guess is responsible uh to make the determination of the length of time the homeowner should stay away wow
3: super question uh well so let's start with government and federal government uh for, let me think, uh, four years now or so, there's been something called the Federal Interagency Work Group on polyurethane spray foam uh, problems. So we have EPA, we have OSHA, uh, we have Consumer Product Safety Commission, other agencies. Uh, and they've been contending with this question. No clear answer yet. Second, the industry itself... Uh, has been trying to develop uh, uh, a technical basis for this. They went to the ASTM. They said, help us. ASTM formed the working group. And that problem is being studied right now. But uh, from my perspective, uh, it's hard to see how there'll be a strongly, scientifically supported particular keep-out time, because after all, what we're talking about is errors during the spraying process, and I know I went to one of the uh, one meeting of that working group about a year and a half ago, and uh, they're only they're only working with good foams, not foams that were designed to be emitting. So that's on the government side. On the in- industry side, uh, a key thing is to remember that SPF competes with other products, other insulation products. It has some terrific advantages, particularly in lowering infiltration, but it's still in competition. So if you tell somebody that it should, shouldn't be in their home for three days, they're going to say, what? And in addition to the extra cost of having to maybe be in a hotel, they're asking the question, how come I'm not here? What's the story with Strabo? So it's not even just a scientific question, it's uh, also a commercial question.
2: Well, yeah, l- l- l-
3: let me ask you a common sense question, and I mean, you know, you're doing these investigations, and you know, certainly, you know, there's a, a, a there's a large percentage of these projects that go right, and I would say the majority of them go right. There's a percentage that's smaller that, that goes wrong. Do you believe that this is a fundamentally flawed procedure that shouldn't be done at all, or do you think that? you know training is you know the training is the answer or better environmental controls are the answer or or for what you know what's your opinion seeing what you've seen uh so uh we have ten hours to talk about this right <laughs> <laughs> i'll try to I'll try to boil it down to a short answer uh I certainly it's true that for every job that goes bad there are many many that don't okay uh we should stand back. I mean, there are tens of thousands of these jobs happening in, in our country every year. The right. uh, uh, Consumer Product Safety Commission is trying to figure out how many are, are going bad, but uh, it'll be a much smaller number when they when they come up for air with the number. But the thing is, we're asked to manufacture in a home. Manufacture in a home means that inevitably some fraction don't right so we can reduce better trading but that's all we can do
0: okay so uh, let me get this let me, uh, the, let, let me let me let me let me
3: just add something.
0: To go ahead please
3: uh, uh, I hope it seeing legacy problems that is problems that started two three four years ago Uh... Uh, the industry is working to reduce the failure rates by upping the training, but, uh, until the chemical industry, who's selling to the installers, homeowner can't buy this directly, uh, until they get serious about enforcing their requirements contractually, uh, requirements such as Exhaust ventilating at the job site or better training—we're uh, uh, going to have a residual number of these problems. It can be reduced, but it's not going to made to go to zero.
0: Okay, and, and let me ask—let me just clarify and make sure I've, I'm understanding this right. You don't—you're not contending, and I don't know who is or if anyone is—that there's a defect in the product. It's more there's a problem with the application and with applying it when it may not be appropriate to apply it? Is that accurate to say? Uh,
3: Yes. Uh, You know, this is not to say that the chemicals that are delivered to the commercial applicator are what they're supposed to be 100% of the time. But generally, to get it right, there's a lot of things, everything which you have to do right. Uh, So Let me boil this to an illustration. Suppose somebody's using a product in an attic, and the requirement is don't spray if you're under 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Suppose that the guy goes ahead and sprays. It could be a problem.
0: Absolutely. Now, let me also clarify one more thing. It appears, at least from what I've seen and read, most of the problems occur not so much in new construction but in retrofitting of older homes. Would you agree with that or would you say... no. No? Okay.
3: No, no, not at all. Uh, 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 To to get a perspective on this, let's stand back a little. Okay. Uh, uh, So... Of course, at any one time, there are more retrofit jobs going on than new home jobs. Because, you know, there are a few new home starts relative to the stock of existing housing. But uh, uh, code changes, especially in 2012, with the acceptance generally around the country of the International Energy Conservation Code. Require new homes to be much tighter on an air exchange per hour basis. And one of the ways to achieve that is with spray foam. And in order to get spray foam right, the contractor uh, will sub it out to one of these spray foam insulation guys. Uh, and if the, if the house is still, if that foam is still off gassing when the uh, purchaser takes possession, moves in, that's a problem. And I've seen that. And I've seen it in, oh, half a dozen states. It's not unique to any one region or any one applicator.
0: Okay. All right. Well, let me, let's see. We're getting close to halftime. Cliff, do you have one more before halftime?
3: Um, no, let, let, let's do it after.
0: Okay, and I got a quick one. I think Bernie, that I can get in before halftime. I hope. Um, do you see more problems with open cell phone applications, or closed cell, or no difference? Uh,
3: I, well, I see more of a problem with uh, open cell because there's more open cell jobs, gotcha. uh, and uh, this is a, this is something that needs to be explained. Open-cell foams are not just emitters. They're also absorbers. That is to say, chemicals uh, in new house construction, such as terpenes or aldehydes that are inherent in OSB and will be emitted into the house, normally would be exchanged out of the house. But I've worked in houses that were like that, new homes uh with open cell phone on in the attic and in walls and even uh underneath the uh, uh floor. Uh and what you see when you study the foams, these are houses that have never been furnished and never been occupied, mm-hmm. is you actually do uh headspace testing on the foams, you see that there are these uh Aldehydes and terpenes that come from the building materials. So that moves up the count on total volatile organic uh, compounds. Now, if somebody's been chemically sensitized in in, in that house, then they may not be able to stand those compounds, even though that's not a standard fault profile. It's complicated, is my message.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Let us do our halftime here. Bernie, we'll be right back after we thank our sponsors with Bernie Bloom. We're talking about spray foam issues and answers, and it's been interesting so far. The second half, we'll get into a lot more detail on application and then remediation. Thanks to our association
2: sponsors. The Indoor Air Quality Association, IAQA, a nonprofit, multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at www.iaqa.org.
0: And thanks to our advertisers, Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, who use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com. Legends Environmental
2: Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Learn about them at legends-enviro.com. And, of course, our marquee sponsors. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information are available at ieconnections.com.
0: John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at www.johndon.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine.
2: Your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at Clean C L E A N F A X dot com and online dot com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ radio when you inquire about their services and products.
0: Okay, we're back with the second half of our interview with Bernie Bloom. Bernie Bernie, let's let's get you back on the line here. Um when when it comes to these spray foam application projects we let's you know we've gone over the background and how it's applied and all of that now, once we've got a project where people suspect there's a problem, how do you go about uh, go, go ahead go ahead uh, how do you go about assessing the issue okay uh
3: let's look at it from the uh perspective of somebody who all to a home, house by a homeowner. Now, um, like any other indoor air quality investigation, you get a terrific history of when the stuff was applied, you know, what happened, where were people when it was applied, uh, and in the days and weeks thereafter, um, if somebody tells me that they smelled a charring, or combustion-type odor, and it was a uh, closed cell foam, I might take a knife and cut into the foam and see if what might be a normally green color has turned yellow. Uh, some manufacturers put uh, indicator compounds in there that will change color to tell them if the process went too hot. And uh the suggestion, the reason for wanting to know something like that is, well, if you know what happened during the process, it might help you know to what to look for. Uh, the first rule is not go out and do an IAQ test. It's to understand what happened. The homeowner is concerned about three things. By the time I've been called, they're living someplace else. They're not in the house. That's the common situation. Okay. So they're concerned who did what to make my house like that? What do I do to fix my house? Is it fixable? And uh, what do I tell my... <laughs> 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 Always, right? Yeah. Right? And there's uh, another question, which is, what do I tell my doctor? Does my doctor know what he's doing? I'm not a lawyer or a physician, madam, but... So so we get, we get a, a, a fact profile uh if this is a situation in which the homeowner is interested in what happened the homeowner's probably been to some other people even before they get to me uh there are a few guys going around the country uh consulting who are deeper experts at foam uh than I might be uh there are they may have had uh, uh remediators and uh, let me tell you a quick story uh uh, I have a customer on Long island on the south shore. He got hit hard by Hurricane Sandy. He had a mold remediation done. They removed uh, among other things uh, so this was a a stick house, a wood framed standard house um, and then somebody sprayed closed cell foam into the stud cavities, rehung and painted the drywall and then the odors began, as I was describing. What did that family want to know? Uh, what How do you fix the house? Is it fixable? And so, just to say one more thing about this, so you can see why it's very, very important to have a discussion about what the exposure pattern was or might have been in during and immediately after the spraying. Because if the person was in the house there's a chance they've been chemically sensitized. Then remediators are stuck because even though they might remove all the foam that's visible, there's no odors, the homeowner still can't live in the house. It's not psychogenic. It's not in their heads. It's this phenomenon that some people call sensitization, other people call uh, hyperreactivity, um, And so that... that is a big fork in the road for a potential remediation. The remediation may then be only to get rid of the odor so that uh, so that the house can be sold. Because usually these houses don't, they, they've lost an enormous amount of equity because of the odor. Uh, so that's how an investigation begins. Okay. For, um, in terms of this investigation process, um what about external factors? Uh, have you ever seen a situation where the you know the house in the building is fine that people you know were able to live there it's years after the application and something catastrophic happens in the house there's a fire there's a wa- water loss there's a sprinkler discharge you know does water uh, it, it set down you know, can can something set off a reaction or is this material pretty stable once it's dry and cured and off-gassed? well it's a polyurethane they're subject to combustion to smoking okay all polyurethane foams right now are used in in this application not I'm not talking about memory foam in a mattress or in a couch. Uh, they all have fire retardants in them. These fire retardants are mobile. They can leave the foam. Especially if they're in an attic where the attic is quite hot. Especially on the deck side, not the internal side of, say, a four-inch foam thickness. Um, as to moisture, so, so um, I know one house uh The only thing I want to say about it is in the Northeast, a large house. The problem started showing up three or four years after somebody moved in. And there are some folks in the remediation business who think that certain open cell phones are subject to degradation under high relative humidity conditions. Uh, Maybe that was happening. This house was uh, along the seaboard. Um, what type of phone was that? Was that? Um, oh, it was an open what? cell. It was an open cell, and it's all I feel comfortable. To say no, it. no, that's that's fine. I just wanted. Yeah. What I do is I try to make some notes, and we do a blog. And I just wanted to try to keep it straight. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But um, um, uh, uh, so, I, let me just add one thing to my answer. Anything that sets off a fire uh, is bad news for foam, but it's more generally bad news, right? Uh, uh, Usually, if there's going to be a fire, it's going to occur during application. If the foam was... uh, There are certain closed cell foams that you can only spray an inch or two. You may want to achieve six inches for R-value purposes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you... After, the typical manufacturing uh, requirement would be after what you sprayed one or two inches, wait 10 or 20 minutes. Let it cool off. The foam's an insulator. It takes time for the heat to get out. Uh, the chemical reaction that forms the foam is highly exothermic. It generates heat itself, maybe 150 degrees Fahrenheit. So houses that are sprayed rapidly with this stuff because, let's say, the contractor wasn't paying attention or was rushed because they got another job tomorrow or any of a number of reasons, uh, that foam can get so hot that an explosive fire can start. That happened in Massachusetts a couple years ago. That's more typically the catastrophic event that you mentioned. Well, no, no, I, I mentioned really the
2: opposite. I think that you may have misunderstood. Uh, I'm talking about a fire from another source, like you know, it's a home or it's a building, and there's a.
3: Yeah, there's a kitchen fire or whatever, and the house gets smoked yeah. up or whatever, and, and that that's what I meant. So, um, uh, Well, with respect to what you just helped me understand, um, so there are building codes that require 15-minute uh, firewall protection, separating foam from uh, the rest of the house. For example... That's satisfied by a half inch of uh, chipboard in a, a conventional wall. Now, when foams are sprayed uh, in attics, either rafter or truss design attics, uh, that foam is exposed. Right. Uh, there are coatings called intumescent, uh, basically spray paints that can be put over it to buy the time. So. So if there's some event, some thermal event that, <coughs> excuse me, uh, gets into the attic, mm-hmm. heats up the foam, that uh, can set the foam off. <coughs> okay. Um, I, I mean, I, I understand that if it got hot enough and so on and so forth, that you know you might have flashover or whatever. I was more concerned about. Um, you know, something, something less than that, but I appreciate the thoroughness well, of the answer. Well, uh, I, I haven't run into it. it, is you know, the short answer. Okay.
0: Now, let me let me ask this, Bernie. Once you go through your initial, I assume you, you know, you take a piece of the phone, you maybe, I don't know, you put it in a jar and then seal up the jar and then take off the lid to see if, if it smells down the road. I mean, is that,
3: yeah, yeah, that that is standard practice. Okay. Uh, uh, I uh, learned at the um, feet of uh, Joe Stebrook, okay. I should add.
0: Okay. And, then- uh,
3: uh, and now, people might want to take that foam in the jar. I use uh, standard ball mason jars, half liter. Um, if you let that jar just sit in the sun, you open the lid, you can have an overpowering odor. I mean, not necessarily, but that can happen. And I've got a, if you will, a, a library of mason jars uh, for jobs that go back uh, a number of years now. Uh, some will keep smelling like that for a number of years. That jar can be sent, the material in that jar can be sent to uh, the GCMS lab for analysis of mm-hmm. uh, the heads. will they analyze yeah. uh, the heads. Yeah, space. yeah. Yeah, a standard ASTM small chamber test, or uh, some people just call them jar tests. I mean, those are different, but you get a sense of what's in there. And in those tests, you can take the foam and reheat it to the temperature it would operate at during its normal operation in a house. So walls might be not as heated as hot. The foam from walls might not be heated the same as you would... uh, Uh, an attic. Um, And if it's in a crawl space, uh, uh, normal ASTM procedures might be too warm, actually. Uh, But that only tells you some information. Um, uh, It's been, I think, correctly pointed out that foams in a retrofitted house can absorb other indoor air contaminants that normally would exchange out. So it's possible for C compounds that so were not part of the original foam. And I've had situations where when you test the air in the house, you don't see some of the compounds that you see in the foam headspace test, even when you uh, take into account temperature differences. So uh, it boils down, in some cases, to a real judgment. Cliff. Bernie, is there is there any room for optimism? I mean, is, are, are there any remedial Procedures? I'm sorry, are there any remedial procedures other than removing it that can fix uh, a problem? Well, um, uh, so like any other subject in IAQ, you know, you get five people in a room and you'll have seven arguments going, right? Right. Uh, so there are some people who think that you can uh, cover the phone uh, with some material like a foil metal foil to uh, reduce, reduce emission rates. The magic coating that we would all like to have that would not affect an already sensitized homeowner but is terrific against uh, 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 diffusion of compounds that get to the foam surface to prevent them from being emitted into a space I don't know of. Uh, that I don't know, it doesn't mean... It doesn't exist. Uh, the cleaning foams at the surface doesn't do any good, I think, because if the foam is five inches thick and you have diffusion from off-gassing from deep within the foam, it'll get to the surface again. Uh, so here's the optimism. Um, uh, we make mistakes. We learn from them. We feedback prevention is the key industry and government understand that prevention of failures uh the key to prevention is uh 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 what what makes me a cautious but not a fully blown optimist on this is that prevention requires in the end the expenditure of money by somebody in the process uh for example, doing proper exhaust ventilation, or uh, <laughs> doing the job slower, uh, so as to follow all rules, um, and that costs money. And so, if home's going to find its place, it's uh, in our world. It'll level off at probably a higher price than it is now, because prevention costs money. But I'm optimistic that. Uh, fewer adverse jobs seem to be happening in the last, say, 18 months than in the preceding four years. Uh, as, as far as optimism in terms of remediation houses, um, it's very, very hard to remediate without taking this rigid material and making foam dust. Foam dust is a serious issue. Um Why I'm working on, well, I'm working because now the area of the small particles, which are still not finished off-gassing, the specific surface area of a small particle is much, much bigger in the aggregate than bulk foam. Um, Yeah, I mean, uh, there's more to it than that. I want to say one other reason for optimism. Uh, There was a conference, a technical conference put on by... uh, a joint uh, government-industry uh, uh, American and Canadian uh, uh, consortium in April here in uh, uh, Bethesda, Maryland. And um, it was about isocyanates, of which foam was a part. And uh, the sense I had from that is uh, uh, a research agenda to address some of these issues is being developed. And so I am always optimistic about... Uh, American technical
0: capability, if we focus. Now, uh, Bernie, for those that are in this situation, though, I mean, I guess you, you've got a couple of options. One is they can move out if they're sensitive. I mean, is that... Right. Okay. Um, the second would be, uh, you, I guess you can remove and replace these products if they've been misapplied, but it sounds like you shy away from that. Would you say, in that case, no. that... Um, maybe you should just sell the home and then and get someone in there that's not sensitive? Or would you increase ventilation oh, uh, in the home? I mean, what, what are your options there?
3: Well, the homeowner, uh, uh, the first thing the homeowner has done is gone back to the uh, spray contractor. Hey, it smells. Hey, I'm sick. Spray contractor calls in the chemical company. They come in and typically either say there's no problem or, of course, it's all finger pointing. Uh, 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 we haven't gotten to the tort lawyers yet, but they're the next step on this process and there have been a number of litigations that I'm well aware of. Um, uh, so what is the homeowner's choice? The homeowner's choice, which is awful, is to put up front the money to fix the house or to take a chance on fixing the house or fixing the house so it can be sold and using litigation as a cost recovery procedure with all the pain and uncertainty that goes with that. Um, um, uh, right now, this, is, this, this process is highly unregulated at the federal, state, or local level. Uh, um, and so there's possibility there of doing things at the local level, uh, with, uh, requiring better qualifications on people who are doing this process. But the homeowner is stuck, um, and I know of homeowners who are stuck in their tracks for several years, uh, it's hard to get traction, uh, uh, yeah it, it's a very difficult financial an emotional problem to lose the security and safety of your house and have your equity hit hard at the same time and be living with these uncertainties. Uh, um, that's my experience.
0: Okay, let's do this. Cliff, do you have anything you wanted to add before you no, think, round
3: up? No, I think sister. Yeah, I'd
0: like to get Dr. Wow in here, Bernie, and have him. Uh, make a couple points, and then also I'd like to give you a chance to make any final comments, so let's let's go to our roundup. Move him on, hit him up, hit him up, move him on, move him on, hit him up, raw high, cut him out, ride him in, ride him in, let him out, cut him out, ride on. before we go to dr wild bernie let me ask you a quick question i mean I, it seems to me you've got manufacturers out there who are making these products they know that you know occasionally things go wrong have you had any luck with them actually working with you know i'm sure they try and work with the building owner to some degree and, and rectify these problems is that just not happening or is it happening but it's oh, just uh it you it,
3: know it, it can happen to an extent uh I'm aware of a number of companies who have made, uh, have done cooperation modestly, I should say, with homeowners, um, uh, but to a greater extent, the chemical companies know that if these problems keep recurring, uh, it's going to hurt their sales, uh, because there are competing products that don't have these problems. Um, that's that's my short answer.
0: So their focus um, has been more on prevention than on fixing the, at least in your experience, than on fixing the existing problems.
3: Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um. Uh, it, I, I don't have anything of great wisdom to add beyond what you just said. All
0: right. Well, let's get Dr. Wow in here. Dieter, let's see. we got our. So, Dieter, do we have you on the line? Absolutely. Can you hear me? You sound great, Dieter. Any, I'm sure you've got a couple of things you'd like to add or maybe a question for me. Oh,
3: yes, for another hour or so. <laughs> Dieter, did you know the answer to the trivia question?
0: You know what was the trivia question?
3: The trivia question is Oh, who that was
1: the polyurethane sir? Who was
3: known as the father of uh, You know,
1: I mean, it was originally developed in Germany by
3: Bayer. Right. That's right. And, but but it was, uh, it was developed by a guy named Otto Bayer, who, who was not related to the chemical
1: did, No, had no rela- he was a cigar smoking CEO <laughs> uh, at uh, the Bayer Corporation. Yes. Right.
3: He ended up going to work for correct.
1: Uh, yep. That is correct.
3: Okay. Well, John had already nailed it within seconds, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I figured that you knew him.
1: Right? Hey, I, gotta, yeah, uh, I, I never met oh, Otto Bayer. I got uh, a it, it would be pronounced Bayer in German. Uh, in German. And yeah, no relation. Uh, uh, but there are pictures of Otto Bayer with a cigar in his hand cool. <laughs> hey, on the premises. Anyway. I think we got to make something clear over here. Spray foam is not spray foam is not spray foam. There are a bunch of things over there. I was in the forefront in the early 70s when I worked for a little company called Bayer Chemical Corporation, and we developed uh, the polyurethane uh, foam. Now, here's another thing. There is foam. There is the open cell foam. We mentioned that before millions, millions of people sit on polyurethane uh, uh, foam. I'm sitting on one right now. Every car is full of uh, open-cell foam on the seats, no doubt about it. Uh, That is based on an isocyanate that is a chemical, which is a very reactive chemical, and um, uh, that one is called TDI, toluene diisocyanate. That one with the right polio and the right accelerators uh, makes the open cell phone. Uh, it's a relatively simple process, and you still got to watch it over there. It is an exothermic reaction. In other words, as the two chemicals, uh, they better be, and I get back to that, they better be in the correct ratio. If they are, this is one-to-one chemistry. This is exact chemistry. You can't say, oh, I throw a little bit more of that in there. It doesn't work. And I think that is the problem that Bernie is running into. Anyway, so that is uh, uh, the open cell foam. I have seen hundreds and thousands of pounds made uh, uh, like that. Now, here comes the closed cell foam, which is used for insulation, the insulation boards which again was developed, the original technology was developed by the Bayer Chemical Corporation. I was there. I was standing next to it. And you got to watch it. You have to have uh, uh, ventilation. If you don't have ventilation, <coughs> you get irritated by the uh, uh, components of the polyurethane foam, in that case, MDI, and that is a eye, nose, and throat irritant, and you will notice that instantly when you are exposed to it. So that one makes the closed cell foam, which is a fantastic insulator. The other ones, when I started that, there was uh, the formaldehyde form, the urea formaldehyde form, which was not good because it broke down in time with humidity and temperature, all of a sudden, you sprayed it in, was a great insulator, then it broke down, and you got formaldehyde out. You don't want to have formaldehyde in your house, period. Yeah, there is no doubt about it. Then they stabilized the molecule, and they made the urea formaldehyde, which is more stable, doesn't break down like, uh, uh, oh, did I say urea? I meant phenol formaldehyde which doesn't break down like the urea formaldehyde, which was a good insulator, too. So um, anyway, we got to watch that. Now, there are pumps available today, and I developed them. I saw them being developed, two-component pumps, which get the two streams of the polio and the isocyanate together, and then it reacts. And with my chemists. I can catalyze a system to literally react in 10 seconds or in 10 hours. If you want to have 24 hours, I can do that too. So there are ways of doing that. Now, again, it has to be exact chemistry. Once the polyurethane is reacted, there is no problem with it. If you overdo it on one side or the other side, the polyol smells and it smells a little bit ah, how should i say i don't i don't want to say rotten eggs but it doesn't have a pleasant smell the uh, poly uh, the the isocyanate the a component doesn't really uh, uh, in in the normal state the mdi for polyurethane uh, closed cell insulation foam which is used in homes Uh, hasn't really doesn't really have a smell it's the polyol that doesn't smell I mean it it smells rotten yeah I mean it does so those are the problems now there is nothing wrong with the chemistry but I think we have a problem with the applicators who quote don't know what the hell they are doing and they don't they think that oh when you put the two together a little bit more a little bit less who the hell cares almost like an epoxy. When I do my epoxy gloom over here, I said, well, I put in a little bit more catalyst. Now, I make that stuff in yeah, half a gram uh, <laughs> a volume. That's it. Uh, so, well, you can't have a volume in grams, but, uh, yeah, very small amounts. That doesn't matter. Not in the walls. So I think that is where the problem is starting. And the beauty, one of the other beauties of the polyurethane foams is the unreacted, should there be the unreacted uh, isocyanate lift with it, an active NCO group, nitrogen, uh, carbon, and oxygen that is hanging on there, the beauty of that is it reacts and loves to react with moisture. And since there's always moisture in the air, that kind of will go away. Now, I would strongly recommend if you do indoor uh, uh, or attic uh, uh, um, polyurethane insulation, get everybody out of there, <laughs> yeah. Have yeah. massive ventilation, and perhaps if you are in an, in an enclosed area like an attic, I would say uh, have a a supplied uh, air respirator where you get fresh air from the outside. This is not good for you. I don't think that one single small uh, exposure will make you chemically sensitive, as Bernie mentioned. That, I think, can happen. It can happen if you get overexposed. One huge exposure up front, we know that. That can make you chemically sensitive. The fortunate thing is, it's going to be sensitive to isocyanates. You are not sensitive to egg white and and milk and 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 and, and uh, peanuts or something like that. And there are very few situations where you are actually being exposed to the isocyanate itself, unless you go to an isocyanate factory. And there we have our own problems over there. That is a different story. But so it is It is an, an incredibly interesting chemistry and very interesting industrial hygiene, whatever you want to call it, problems that may arise when you don't know what you are doing. Oh, can I
0: breathe now? All right, dear. <laughs> well, thank you. That's always, in, it's. you know, it's great to have the um, the the chemi- chemistry background that you have and, and get that. Uh, Bernie, anything you would like to add to what Dieter just said?
3: Yeah, I very much would like to say, and I know people, specific people who are exposed to mainly not the isocyanate, which is, he's right, it's gone, uh, but to the combination of the aldehydes and tertiary amines and uh, the uh, siloxanes used for uh, surfactant bubble control. That's chemo- yeah, yeah, but Dieter... I know people, a lot of people who have been sensitized to that stuff and then are chemically sensitized to other v o c environments that are not uh, isocyanate dominated i uh, it's interesting
1: I am not aware of that that it comes from that system. I know that yeah people well, get, that people well, get sensitized obviously. to something by something and yeah. Yeah, well, and
3: has, let, me, let, let me just say this quickly. At totally. this conference I went to, uh, at April 4th, one of the principal speakers and at, at organizers of this conference, an MD who specialized in isocyanates, who's in an academic environment, a very well-known uh, physician, stood up and said, I don't think it's the isocyanates that are by themselves. I think it's the mixture of these things. And what... When I go and sample homes, uh, either there's a, a profile, and I might be in the home six months after it was sprayed, and we do a, a, a standard uh, GCMS-based test using the right labs and so forth. Okay, let's we'll see. Fine, yeah, yeah, and, and we'll we'll see acid aldehyde and hexaldehyde and, and propanaldehyde, higher molecular weight aldehydes, which form during the Complex chemistry that you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, why? Yeah, because the glycols gave up their H's and OH's. That's right. why they can be and uh, they can be oxidized to uh, to to be uh, ketones and and aldehydes and and this stuff is irritating. Oh yes. No, oh my God! All aldehydes are irritating. No doubt about it. Right. So here's my point: that the what happens to some homeowners is. They didn't get out, as you and I are advocating. Okay? okay. They weren't oh, told no. to get out. I mean, they, they weren't told, so. it, but, you it? Know. Yeah. Yeah. And so now they're not out of the house, and uh, they go to a pulmonologist, and uh, they, may be, they may have chemical asthma, or the phenomena might be neurological, and the problem is it's not just those original chemicals anymore. For some of these folks... Yep. Way, yeah, you and I should talk about this sometime.
1: Yeah, we will. Well, hey, we talked the other day. It's the yeah. gentleman you mentioned, the MD. Is he from Tulane University?
3: Uh, well, interestingly, uh, no, she's from Yale.
1: Oh, okay. I know her also. I know Hans Weil. Uh, has the same last name as mine. He doesn't know how to spell his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we'll 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 talk later. Right. I, I I gladly talk to uh, to you about it because I have been away from Bayer, as you know, for thirty years. So I was there in the beginning. I have no idea what the heck is going on today. I know what happened. Ah, ah, ah,
3: ah. you don't get out of it that easy. You are the cause <laughs> of all this problem, and and and. Uh, if you look at your window now, you'll see the police cars arriving to take you away. Okay. <laughs> hey,
0: listen. Be- you know what, guys? We're running over. But Bernie, before we go, is there anything that you'd like to add? Anything we missed? I want to make sure you have the last word here. And and Dieter, is, was there anything? Let's go, Dieter first. Anything you definitely wanted to get uh, in? Before no, no, no.
1: I mean, I have no problem with Bernie whatsoever. I am not aware of the newer applications. I knew it when we did the original. Uh, a closed cell that is the hard insulation foam, and uh, I have been away from it uh, for years, and I was there in the very beginning when we developed uh, two-component polyurethane paints for automotive finishes. I think today all of them have it. And again, we were there and if you don't watch out that you don't have the right components coming together at the right time, uh, you you don't have a good pin. <laughs> it's, it's simple <laughs> as simple as that.
3: Okay. And oh, uh, here's what I want to add. Go ahead, Bernie. I think I think uh, residential single-family house SPF spray polyurethane foam is being oversold. It has it's it's sold. And what differentiates it from uh, other insulators, it's also an infiltration reducer because the foam gets into cracks then and and cuts off exfiltration. But if houses are over-tightened, which is something I see happening on attic spray jobs, then that reduces the exchange rate and the houses become too tight. So then the energy auditors or the contractors might say to the homeowner, ah, now you have to install an outside air system like an air-to-air heat exchanger uh... to offset the fact that now your house is too tight and then the capital and operating costs of the technology more than offset the so-called savings by reducing infiltration and i think that uh... uh, what we need here is uh... uh... a kind of a truth in advertising on this uh, type of product people are making decisions without sufficient information.
0: Without realizing that if you tighten it up too much, you're going to affect everything. And, um, I, yeah, I think, and that's, I see a lot of the comments in here that, you know, ventilation is the key, and, and uh, awareness is another key. People have to be educated about the pros and the cons of these uh, solutions that people are presenting to them with respect to energy efficiency. It's not all about energy Yeah. Okay. yeah that,
3: that that's that's right a lot of this growth is driven by uh desire to reduce carbon footprint, which puts the federal government on in the uh pretty directly in some cases online for advocating the use of this stuff hmm. and uh and and but without the controls the critical controls that Dieter wild mentioned um uh Nobody should allow a foam job to be taking place in their house if they, if the insulation contractor can't answer this question. So, contractor, how do you intend to exhaust ventilate this house? Show me your equipment and show me how you design the exhaust ventilation. If they can't answer that question, homeowners should say, I think we're not going to do this
0: job with you. I can't think of a better way to end it, Bernie. That's uh, well said and I think everyone would agree and uh I know I've got a good point up on the on the chat board. So well done, Bernie, Dr. Wild, Dieter, um Bernie Bloom, thanks for joining us. It's been a lot of fun. Any anytime you know that, Joe. Dieter, Pleasure, as always as usual. Uh Bernie, we'll, we'll have to get together. I hope in August I'll see you up at uh, summer camp.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's a good place to meet. <laughs> Yeah,
3: yeah, and, 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 and let Joe pay for the food, right? There you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would like be beer. How about that? Uh, right. uh, when I say Joe, I don't mean radio.
0: Well. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, Okay. Uh, Take care, man. Thank you. Okay, Bernie. Bernie. Take care. All right. This is Radio Joe Hughes saying thanks to this week's guest, Bernie Bloom. Great job on the spray foam issue. Also to my co-host, the Z-Man, Cliff Slotnick. Well done, Cliff. Very interesting show. Very interesting. And, of course, to Val Bender at the controls, Roxy V.
1: Sure. Thanks, everyone. Thank
0: you, Val. And of course, to our growing group of loyal listeners. Nice group on today. Thank you all. We'll see you back next Friday at noon for the next episode of IAQ Radio.
3: Maybe I.
0: And I guess I never told you
3: I'm so happy that you're mine
0: Little things I should have said and done I just never took the time and you were always